Hello, my name is Martin Feld, and thank you so much for joining me for my own MicroCamp presentation with Micro.blog today. And that presentation is called An Eye for an Ear. Sounds probably a little bit vague or mysterious. Don't worry, it's nothing too weird. It's going to be all about how we can prioritize and emphasize audio in our lives. We're surrounded by visual stimuli, things constantly competing for our vision, when sometimes audio has to take a back seat. So when surrounded by all of this stuff constantly bombarding us, how can we bring sound, that feeling of audio around us, to the fore? Now I'm going to be talking about this in three different steps. The first thing that I'm going to communicate with you is why it's important to focus on sound in your life with a brief mention of the field of media ecology. Media ecology is a multifaceted discipline that I've been using in my own academic study into tech podcasting and understanding how it as a medium is created, how it operates as a creative practice and how it connects to other media. Moving on from that, I'm going to share some of my own story and experiences of engaging more with sound as a result of starting this study as I've been undertaking that PhD on podcasting. And with all of that in mind, in the third segment, I'm going to give you some general tips and tools for prioritizing your ears over your eyes. So the first segment on media ecology and where this phrase, an eye for an ear, comes from. Media ecology, if you haven't heard of it before, is the study of how communication, technology and media affect human environments. Ecology is a real key term here because it's referring to the environment in which media are used and exert influence on us. To media ecologists, medium and technology are actually quite synonymous. Different from news media, a medium could be a light bulb that conveys light. It could be a television show as a form of content. Uh, it could be a table because it extends your ability to have things in front of yourself and to use tools. All of these different technologies or media have an influence extending or hindering elements of our lives. Now, media ecology as a field was arguably pioneered by media researcher Marshall McLuhan, who you may know coined such terms and phrases as global village and the medium is the message. The discipline itself was named or introduced by Neil Postman, another media ecologist, in 1968. Now this phrase, an eye for an ear, was coined by Marshall McLuhan as well. And it was mentioned in a few different places, but one such place was his text, The Medium is the Massage. Yes, that's what the book was called. Bit of a joke there as well. And in that, there's a particular quote that I want to share with you where he uses this phrase to explain what he means. And he says, The dominant organ of sensory and social orientation in pre-alphabet societies was the ear. Hearing was believing. The phonetic alphabet forced the magic world of the ear to yield to the neutral world of the eye. Man was given an eye for an ear. So in other words, as alphabets, as visual ways of engaging with language and ideas came to the front of our minds, the audio, the sound, the spoken words that we've been using for so long took a backseat. We started to see, and I'm sure you can engage with this or relate to it yourself, we started to see written words as truth. We say things like, how's that spelt? We think of how a word is constructed using symbols and signs rather than just the way that it comes out of our minds through our mouths. So really, we were given an eye for an ear. And building on this was another media ecologist called Walter Ong and his text, Orality and Literacy, 
the technologizing of the word. And he came up with terms such as primary orality and secondary orality to describe this shift from this pre-alphabet society to the one that we have today with lots of different media, electronic and digital ones too. And to define the key terms in his book, Primary and Secondary Orality, he wrote the following section. I style the orality of a culture totally untouched by any knowledge of writing or print, primary orality. It is primary by contrast with the secondary orality of present-day high-technology culture, in which a new orality is sustained by telephone, radio, television, and other electronic devices that depend for their existence and functioning on writing and print. Today, primary oral culture in the strict sense hardly exists, since every culture knows of writing and has some experience of its effects. So to relate that to your own experience, think about any time that you've ever made a phone call, listened to an audiobook, subscribed and listened to a podcast, or even added a new album to listen to some music. All of those things that you've done in order to actually enjoy that oral or audio medium, you had to navigate visual interfaces and understand written visual language to navigate to activate and enjoy that sound you are operating within a world of secondary orality. So it's very hard to escape the visual. It's all around you. So when you start to think about all the things that you think you're just listening to, and then you realize all of this visual stuff that you had to navigate to get there, maybe it reminds you of a particular song. It certainly reminds me of a particular song, and that would be the song Radio Gaga by Queen. Quite prescient at the time, actually, when you think about it, because in that particular song, Freddie Mercury sang, let's hope you never leave old friend. Like all good things on you we depend. So stick around because we might miss you when we grow tired of all this visual. By this stage, television and obviously the cinema, they were so much more popular or frequently used or spoken about than maybe radio was. Radio had moved to the background in terms of how it was consumed. It wasn't at the front of our minds anymore. So when you think about how things have changed even from this song, now decades old, things are bombarding our eyes constantly. It could be TikTok, it could be Instagram, it could be YouTube, it could be this very video presentation right now. The notifications popping up on your watch or your phone. Emails coming up during your workday. The newspaper that you might subscribe to digitally or that lands on your doorstep. Visual stuff is exhausting and it's hard to bring the audio to the front of the mind. So moving on from this context that I hope has been helpful, I'm going to speak a little bit about my experience in engaging with three different podcasts personally that I never thought I would do. They were never really part of my plan, but they were kicked off in two ways. Advice from my university supervisors to engage in the creative practice of podcasting that I was studying. And second of all, the confidence to engage with an audience through a network like micro.blog with tools like Wavelength and other podcasting affordances. Those three podcasts are Feldnotes, Lounge Ruminator, and some of you might have heard of Hemispheric Views. First of all, Feldnotes was really my first foray into using spoken word as creative content. I thought, well, I'm going to have to give, give this a go, try making audio, see how it works out. And Feldnotes was that experiment using micro.blog as the host and wavelength for publishing. Importantly here, there was a 20 minute maximum limit on this particular type of podcast. So things were encouraged to be brief to the point, nothing too daunting. So I decided to do a family history project. 
I approached my now late grandmother, Penka, who I sadly lost last year, to share her story of growing up and moving from the uh, country of North Macedonia, then in former Yugoslavia, to Australia, where my mum and uh, my, my entire family lives today. So this was a very interesting experiment because while I was comfortable writing and typing stories and sharing ideas in written form, I really wasn't as comfortable with audio and interviewing and navigating the whole recording and editing process. There's a whole different series of things that you have to consider, such as background noise, how you're going to edit in a timeline, uh, how you allow for pause and consideration with the person you're interviewing. You want to represent them accurately and ethically. And if any of you have listened to this podcast, I want to say thank you very much. As I said, it is hosted on a micro.blog and it was a great way of getting started and putting stuff on there. And uh, it did become somewhat sporadic uh, because of uh, COVID limitations in visiting her, but I was pleased that I managed to communicate her story and wrap it up in a sense. This podcast was a very, very interesting experience to edit because as I mentioned, there's audio in your environment that you're not necessarily always taking notice of. In her room in the aged care facility where she was living in the aged care home uh, with lots of other residents around, she had a very loud grandfather clock constantly ticking up against her wall, which she had for years with my late grandfather when they lived at home. It was always a part of the background and then it would just make huge clanging sounds whenever it hit the, the hour or the half hour. But when we were recording and I had to edit it, I realized that it was a constant presence in the background throughout the whole story. So if I had to navigate around an interruption or someone walking in or having to fix something that didn't sound quite right while preserving her story, it became really, really difficult with this constant tick talk in the background, this ever-present metronome that would show when I had made a cut. But then I learned to embrace it and try not to hide it too much. I had to work around it because it was an element of her character. The very same way that she was communicating with inflections, pause, rising and falling voice and volume, these were all special ways of communicating through sound with eye contact that would never have come through had I simply interviewed her and taken notes and written her story. You hear her in the earphones that you're wearing or through the speakers that you're using, even if you can't see her visually or if you never met her. It's a very powerful way of engaging with the story and hearing the environment and the audio context from which someone comes. That was a wonderful experience. And moving on to Lounge Ruminator briefly, uh, this is what I've essentially used through WordPress instead, or on top of micro.blog, as a way of doing audio journaling sharing ideas that I come up with when I read things, trying my hand at interviewing and practicing different ways of talking to people. One of the highlights more recently was actually talking to Andrew McLuhan, who is the grandson of Marshall McLuhan, who I mentioned before, uh, and talking about his family legacy, the ways that he tries to engage with media, both new and old. It was a really fantastic way of using audio in a very meta sense to interview the person who came to influence much of what I'm doing now in my own studies. And moving to the final example, uh, something that maybe more of you are familiar with, there's hemispheric views. Based on my experience using micro.blog, trying my hand at audio production and editing in what many would call a relatively amateur sense with Feldnotes and Lounge Ruminator, I came to meet and become friends with Jason Burke and Andrew Canyon here on this very network. 
It's been fantastic. It has been a wonderful experience in engaging more with sound editing in a very extensive way. Long timelines, multi-track, individual locally recorded voices, trying to put together something that not only represents our own characters, our own personas and our way of speaking, but to make it palatable and digestible and fun for people who want to listen as an audience. You want to represent the truth of the conversation, but you also want to peel back and remove some of those things that got in the way, some of the conversational repair that makes it harder for someone to listen to when that is the only experience they're getting through the medium. TV and movies, as I said, you've got video and audio. There's this constant bombardment of stuff that is coming at you. And if you missed one thing, you can infer from the other. When you're listening to music or a podcast or an audio book, that's the experience. And that's all that you have to enjoy. So if you stuff up in the way that you convey something through sound, people are going to miss it. There's a lot more difficulty sometimes in editing and appreciating audio, producing or consuming it. But don't let that discourage you. So bringing all these things together, it's been a very interesting experience transforming my own production and consumption habits from being mostly visual with some podcasting stuff on the side to really becoming more of an audio guy than a writer. This is something that I never really foresaw when I started my own studies and experimentation with podcasting, doing these wonderful side projects and new creative hobbies. And on top of that, it's brought me to meet new people here on the network, people who've become not only regular listening fans, but also friends, people who talk to us in other spheres, whether it's just micro.blog or Twitter or Discord, that relies on the visual. But really the thing that binds us together is that core audio experience. People come to listen to us and we have a great time chatting together and with others. So I hope that this story so far has resonated with you or reminded you of some of your own experiences or maybe motivated you to think about how you can engage with audio even more. So with that, moving to the third section, I want to talk about how you can give up an eye for an ear, or at least share a bit more with the ear and think about the audio environment, the sounds that surround you. So as I said, this process began a while ago now with um, radio, and now there's podcasts. It's fair to say that as we've had more on-demand audio content, people are starting to listen more than maybe they once did. They're subscribing to really listen and take in ideas from people they respect or who share interests that they have. But how can you dive more into appreciating audio or listening to sounds around yourself, whether it's through consumption or production? If it's about consumption, try to separate yourself from the visual a bit more. If it's about listening, whether it's music or podcasts or something else, see if you can use a different technology to do it. Put away the phone or the tablet or laptop or whatever you use and try something like an old iPod or MP3 player. Maybe if you have a vinyl record collection, maybe if you still keep CDs or cassettes around, how can you listen to something that has less visual stimulus with notifications and very, very tempting apps trying to sway you to look at something else? Find a way to focus on the audio that you wanna consume. If you're gonna have a conversation with someone, maybe make it a phone call rather than a visual Zoom or FaceTime or just relying on constructing a never-ending essay to and fro through messages. If you're out and about listening to music and you use noise cancellation, yes, this may harm the listening experience, but try turning it off so that you can let the world around you flow in. And then at that point, you'll realize, wow, this really is augmenting reality. You're actually putting a layer of audio around yourself that disrupts the flow of the world that you're moving through. 
And last of all, whether it's a park or an urban environment or something nearby, when you're walking through, if you do normally listen to music or something else through earphones, ditch the whole thing. Get rid of all of it altogether and not just pay attention to things in front of you with your eyes, but the sounds around yourself. Are there birds? Are there other things happening? Tools, construction sites, conversations, people at cafes, cars roaring past. What is all the stuff that you would normally be blocking out that is actually a bit of a rich cacophony of audio experience? Beyond that for production, try your own audio projects. Whether you're a musician or a podcaster and you just want to try something, you don't even have to publish it. Try things like GarageBand or Logic, maybe other affordable apps. There's Ferrat Recording Studio on the iPad you can try with the pencil or a trackpad. Even Wavelength for Micro.blog for simply recording straight on your phone and putting it on the blog that you host with Micro.blog just to get it out and see what people think. It doesn't have to be fancy. I just use this microphone all the time because I'm constantly recording things at my desk and need hands-free. Just use your phone or an old voice recorder. Easy as that. And the final message that I would share here is try to record rather than write. Record, don't write. When we write notes, we lose them easily. Post-its, in a notes app on our phone, whatever. We just constantly add things in written form. Audio takes more effort, both to navigate, to play, and to listen to and search. It feels different from having a purely visual medium all the time. So rather than writing or typing, try recording it. And to show that I practice what I preach, because you may be thinking, well, Martin, you've been telling us all of this through a visual presentation. There's been a camera here and a camera there and things popping up on the screen. It's kind of overloading me and things have been distracting me in the background like why is there a flamingo back there and what's that iBook there is that just to show off are you trying to show retro things what are those things on your bookshelf what's all that about maybe you haven't even been listening because it's all so distracting to show that I practice what I preach at the conclusion of this presentation at microcamp today you'll be able to find a podcast version of this with all video elements and visual parts stripped away you can just listen to the whole thing as it was audio only See if it feels different if you have the time. Maybe things are less distracting. Maybe all of this visual stuff was totally unnecessary. See what you think. Send in some feedback through micro.blog. I'd be very interested to see what you think uh, as a collective at Microcamp today. So with that, I want to thank you very much for listening. I'm very grateful that I had the chance to share my story today. Very happy to have uh, been invited to join in and go for it. If you've ever been thinking about how you can engage more with sound in your medium or creative practice of choice, just go for it, share it and see how you go. Thank you so much for your time today.